Hello, welcome to Show Me Your Mic, a podcast about podcasting, which you can find online at goodstuff.fm slash smym, or on Twitter at smym underscore fm. I'm your host, Chris Enns, and for this episode, I've got Ray Ortega. He is a professional podcast producer. A lot of us claim to be professional podcast producers, but he actually is paid to produce podcasts in a professional environment, so I think his uh, title works. He hosts the Podcaster Studio, podcast about podcasting as well. Great idea. And uh, the Podcasters Roundtable, where he brings together podcasters to discuss the philosophies of podcasting on video. So enjoy the conversation with Ray. We went a little bit longer this episode and uh, hope you can stick around and enjoy it. It's the last episode of 2015. Thanks for listening. Enjoy our conversation. Well, welcome to uh, Show Me Your Mic, Ray. Well, this has uh, been a long time in coming. So, we uh, I've thanks, Chris. I, uh, no, I'm stoked to be here. It's uh, exactly. It's about time. <laughs> We've had uh, differing. I don't know what it is. I think it's. I, I joke somewhere else. Maybe it was on the previous edition of the show. Uh, just our time zones. Maybe our kids' life. You, you have a a child, right, or a few children? I don't remember what your your child. Yeah, I have one. <laughs> one one daughter status. Um, you know, it's the fact, well, you do it live. So that makes it tough, right? Because there it's kind of have to be here at a certain time. Mm-hmm. And contrary to popular belief, I have a day job. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think, I think a lot of people think that I make my money from my podcast, um, which is not exactly accurate. It's not at all. So I, uh, I punch a clock just like, just like the rest of you not guys. Not like me. I don't punch a clock. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky. Yeah. Well, yeah, depending on. You can ask my wife whether we're really all that lucky or not. But uh, there you go. <laughs> there's there's presents under the tree this year. We'll say that. That's the that's the that's, bonus. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, the podcast is still going, and there's presents under the tree. Yeah, Something's exactly. Going right. <laughs> so, are you? Uh, this is one of those things where sometimes people who do things online they have their jobby job, their day job, but they don't really share too much about the day job. Are you at liberty to say what you do? Because you do seem to do some sort of video podcasty thing for a day job, but it's yeah. Not- I- I do. You know, it's that thing where like these days it seems like with social media and everything, it's like it just seems oftentimes better if you don't mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't connect yourself too much with your job. I do talk about it. So if you listen to my show, it's definitely in there. Um several interviews, it's definitely in there. So I'm not hiding anything. I just generally just uh, I generally tell people I am a professional podcast producer. I basically uh co-produce a network of science shows for a uh a large nonprofit that is based in uh, Washington DC and this is it's called the American Society for Microbiology and we have a network of shows at uh, microbeworld.org so believe it or not we do podcast podcasters would believe this because it's niche right but uh we have one show that's literally it's just about viruses it is called this week in viral uh, this week in virology so uh, our host is a big fan of the Twit Network, and that kind of got him started. And so most of his shows are named in that naming convention. And Leo's cool with it because um, he has actually been on the Twit Network a bunch of times as as a like a co-host for some of their science shows, which they no longer do. So I produce a network of science shows, and like I said, that show about viruses like ten thousand people a week listen to that show. So Crazy. it really just shows you, like, <laughs> yeah, it just it just proves that. Uh, in podcasting, niche is powerful, right? I mean, there are people wanting that specific content. So that's what I do. I, you know, eight to five, 40 hours a week. Uh, I spend, 
I work from home. They're based in D.C., but I actually work from home. Uh, I was allowed to move back to California. Uh, I was living in D.C. That's where I got that job. And uh, I do everything it takes to uh, produce a podcast. In, and podcasters know this because we're you're everything, right? You're the marketing department. Uh, you're the host. You, you're the uh, engineer. You're, the, uh, you're everything, the one-man band. So there's two of us. We oversee about six shows. Uh, we also do a lot of live streaming. Uh, we do a lot of um, sort of like you know, video pieces that actually do go into a podcast feed, but um, we do video internally for the organization. So pretty much audio and video, but it's all mainly uh, centered around our network of podcasts. And is it, so it sounds a bit like that might be either like the dream job for a podcaster or the nightmare where like, you know, you you dream about doing this for a living, but then when you're actually doing it for a living, it's like, oh, this is mundane or torturous or like I'm not trying to get you in trouble with you with your job but like no, no, yeah, just that no. idea of like you know we pine after like if you're a designer you wish you could get a job mm-hmm. with a design firm and then all of a sudden you do and you're right. like oh I hate doing this 24 7 I like it you know when it was just like evenings and weekends kind of thing which is what you I would assume your like rayortega.com and the uh, podcast studio and stuff which we'll touch on later is more like evenings weekends fitted around your job kind of stuff so what's the tell me about the other side the grass on the other side is it actually greener Ray? <laughs> right. Well, for me, it is. I mean, it is a dream job. So if you listen to uh, the podcaster studio, uh, my show about podcasting or one of them, I say that I'm, uh, you know, my day job uh, is is podcasting and my nighttime hobby. Basically, my day job and my nighttime hobby. That's podcasting because I go, I literally like spin, turn my chair from one computer to the next to start producing my own stuff right after I quote unquote clock out. Uh, but for me, it is a dream job because back you know, when I was podcasting, I got started at around the end of 06, early 07. And I was doing it as a hobby because anyone back then just thought podcasting was amazing. And they did it. And, uh, you know, these days, a little more debatable, right? People, <laughs> some people come in, they think that it's different. <laughs> Maybe yeah. there's money here. <laughs> but, um, but back in the day, most of it was born out of passion. So I just absolutely loved podcasting. And through that hobby, essentially, I was going to like podcasting meetup groups and I was going to give talks at like um, any kind of convention where they were talking about podcasting. I was just trying to put myself out there and share what I was learning along the way. And through that, I was, I mean, I guess you could call it networking. It's not what I was doing. I was literally just having fun with my hobby. But naturally, uh, you meet people if you're out there. And you find out, I found out after actually there was a, a pod camp in DC. Pod camp is a, a, an unconference. It's a conference for podcasters that uh, there's not many left. I think Philly or Pittsburgh still does one. Um, not too many left. Uh, but you can start your own pod camp, by the way, in your own city. So check out pod camp. I think it's podcamp.com, maybe.org. And uh, through one of those, I found out that somebody was, uh, this guy I was talking to, worked for this organization. Uh, I was literally standing there listening to a conversation, listening to him explain what he does um, and that there was this job opening. And he was actually pitching it to somebody else. I interrupted three different times and I said, (laughs) that's my job. Like, that's my job. And I just made sure uh, before I left that sort of informal conversation that I had a chance to get in touch and get an interview. Um, So I got the interview and uh, I got hired on uh, for... Uh, six months initially as a contract position and uh, to see if it would work. And it worked. They hired me on full time in January 2009. I started in the summer of 2008. And 
I mean, boom, I am now doing what I'm already doing for a hobby. Now someone's paying me and I will say very well, <laughs> more than uh, other careers I've had in the past. And, you know, I, I'd say it really quietly. Don't tell them because I would do it for so much less, but because um, <laughs> yeah. it is a dream job. So I get to produce for a living. Now, I really love production. Okay. So that is part of it. And now if you were doing a podcast and what you love is being on the microphone, but you hate recording, uh, you don't dive into the sort of weeds like I do in terms of post-production, all that stuff. If you don't enjoy that, I don't know if it's your dream job. But when I go to talks, I tell people all the time, if you do enjoy production, uh, perhaps what is monetizable about your show is you. Um, what I don't think a lot of people are realizing is that they're building up an enormous skill set that is probably really valuable, especially as more organizations come online and they say, oh, this podcasting thing seems like there's something there. We should probably be doing it. But where do we start? Who, who, who should do this? And I always tell podcasters, you're the go-to people because you have the knowledge and more importantly, you have the portfolio that shows what you can do. And that's what I was doing uh, with my own show. I was building a portfolio. Now, remind you, None of that was conscious. <clears throat> so when I go and I give talks about podcasting, I often tell people about this sort of possibility that exists, hoping to reach that one person that was me in the audience. If someone had opened that door to me, I would have thought, oh my gosh, yeah, that's amazing. I would love to do that. So really long-winded answer to your question. <laughs> For me, it's a dream job, right? And yeah. I, I hope that my job, um, professional podcast producer, I hope that in you know five years, that's a standard job title. So when you go to that Christmas party and someone says, what, you, what do you do? I, I always have to sit there and I have to take a couple seconds and think, I have to analyze the person and say, hmm, <laughs> how do I explain this to this person, right? Will they get it? So hopefully in five years, someone will say, hey, I'm a professional podcast producer. And they're like, oh, okay. And they get it because they've heard a podcast or they listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. And that's, I know, uh, uh, often when I talk with podcasters, they're, they kind of get, um, focused in on their show as the thing that they do. And the show is the, the fun thing. But like you said, they, they don't enjoy editing. They don't enjoy post-production. They don't enjoy learning about, I'm, I'm somewhere in between where I, I enjoy some of that stuff, but I can't spend all day doing it sometimes. But, sure. but yeah, that, I think there is certainly going to be opportunities for folks like us where a business wants to bring on either in a consultant role or a full-time role like you, you've landed something to do with this where they can't afford an audio engineer who's, you know, mm -hmm. six figures or whatever they might be and, and has the, you know, recorded professional music and, and voiceover work or whatever, but they need someone. I think it's really unique. Yeah. I think it's unique because we have a certain skill set that you can't necessarily go out and get. I always tell people they're putting themselves through sort of new media college and they're not coming out with a degree, but they're coming out with a portfolio because it, you have proof of concept. Like an artist, here is my portfolio, here's what I can do. And I don't think that you can go out and hire an audio engineer to run your podcast network or your podcast show for your organization, whatever it is, because they don't have all the other skill sets that are unique to producing digital content that then has to be you know, put into an RSS feed or, and then marketed uh, you know, on, via social media and maybe doing uh, SEO stuff for iTunes specific, right? All the stuff that podcasters have likely taught themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that that's necessarily like the skill set of someone who went to school to, you know, produce, you know, do audio engineering, mixing or something like that. Sure, they can put together a, a heck of a podcast, but unless they're podcasting, they don't have all the other skills. So in fact, it's funny because 
that person that hired me, um, but who's now a friend, Chris is my good friend. Um, I think we did a brief show once for a while, but <laughs> ironically, his name is Chris. Nice uh, and, uh, or coincidentally, I guess it's not irony. And uh, he, when he was out looking for someone to help him produce his show, he was going to those people, you know, traditional people who uh, were in media already and already doing production. And then he'd say, okay, so what's a podcast? And, you know, they got the blank stare, right? They, they could not answer. They had no clue what a podcast was, especially back in 2008. Uh, right. So, you know, so eventually he realized, hey, I need to go out to people who are already doing this and see if there's someone in there uh, that would have the, the enough knowledge on production. I taught myself all this stuff, right? But have enough knowledge, but then have that passion for podcasting and the medium and the and what was new about that and the unique nature of that. And so, um, so I was hired because of more, less because of my skill, even though I had skills, less because of that and more of the fact that I just was in podcasting, doing it and speaking the language. Right. And so was that, um, that predates like the podcaster studio and the podcasters roundtable stuff that you're doing now. Right? It does. And so yeah, what, by you, a little, just a little bit. Okay. What's, um, what kind of stuff were you doing in podcasting? prior like did you have little shows that have since gone the grave way of the graveyard i forget what the sort of podcast yeah, term for, <laughs> for totally yes. dying but yes pod fading right um, oh yeah that's, one. Yeah. that's a typical <laughs> podcasting term but yeah so back in gosh when i when i discovered podcasting for myself it was back in i think oh five uh, when a little-known service called Napster, you may have heard of it, uh, <laughs> it suddenly was not really a place that we could use legally anymore. So they were really coming down, right? You got a letter, everyone was scared. I, it was scary enough for me to stop using Napster. So I had gotten what I needed from Napster, <laughs> and uh, which is just tons and tons of bad 80s music, essentially, is what I got. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but I had to go somewhere else. And I opened up iTunes, and it said podcast in the corner. And I said, what the heck is this? And I clicked on it and I heard these guys talking. It was terrible, but something about it was so amazing. I was like, wait, so these two dudes in their living room are producing an awful show, but I can hear it. And so I, I, I thought this, is, this could be amazing. So I went out and I looked for good content. I found that out there. Things like uh, geekbrief.tv, uh, Cali over there. And uh, what was it? Cranky Geeks. A lot of it was video that I found. And so I just started consuming all this content. And then like most podcasters, once they discover it, you know, they're like, wow, I, well, I got to try this for myself. Right. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to teach myself podcasting. How is this done? How do you take a show and put it online? And, uh, I, well, when you think about that, you have to think, well, what the heck am I going to podcast about? And for me, I really wanted to learn the tech more than I wanted to um, have a show. I just wanted to figure it out. And I, you know, was driving along thinking about this and it just hit me. I was like, oh, oh yeah, I work in the produce department. At the time, I work in a grocery store through uh, high school and college. And in the produce department, people come in and they ask me every day. They ask me questions all day long. How do I pick out an avocado? How do I know when a watermelon is ripe, right? All these crazy things that you need these little tips for. And because I don't like to tell people I don't know, or, um, you know, say, well, I can't help you. Uh, I wanted, I'd go back and I'd read the book. We have this sort of Bible of like fruits and vegetables and, and, you know, it'd have a picture of the fruit and vegetable and then have a description and it would tell you usually how to, how to choose it, right. How to pick it out. Uh, 
And so I would study this thing so I could answer everyone's questions. So I had all these tips that, that only the people who came through the door of my store could ask me and I could tell them, hey, this is how you choose this thing. So I said, oh, boom, that's a podcast. It's a video podcast because it needs to be seen uh, for most of the stuff that I'm going to teach. So I said, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do like a five-minute show about how to pick perfect you know, fresh fruits and vegetables. And so that became Produce Picker Podcast. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So like, so it's, it's, it's so funny because it's debatable. Uh, I, I'm curious when you add, ask a podcaster, hey, when did you start podcasting? And so does it mean when was the first day your RSS feed was available to the public? Is that the first day you're a podcaster? Or is it the six months prior that you spent setting up your podcast, right? Before mm-hmm. you launched your feed. So for me, I spent about the summer of uh, 06 till the end, uh, recording, setting up my website, setting up my video. And then I think I went live like first couple days of January. And so I always say like, you know, I started podcasting 06, 07, you know, but, but people can look you up and they can see your feed. It's like, well, well you're not a podcaster till 07. So, <laughs> so <laughs> well, you can see, yeah, protuspicker.com. I'm looking at it right now. Oh so, yeah. It's amazing. That site still works because it's not maintained <laughs> at all. But, um, that's awesome. That's it. That was the show. That was my, so the purpose of that show for me was to teach myself how to podcast. And that's what that did. And once I learned how to podcast, it really, once you start podcasting, it becomes your, almost your full-time hobby, if not your full-time job, because you're always doing it, uh, whether it pays or not is a different question. But I, um, eventually just racked up an amazing amount of knowledge because back in that day, you had to learn most of it yourself and you had to make all your, your trial and error and you had to make your, your mistakes and learn from them. And then, so at some point my knowledge shifts from, you know, this produce knowledge to producing knowledge. Did you get that? Produce, produce. <laughs> Anyways, I, um, I switched, I switched over and I said, okay, now I want to share, uh, how to, how to podcast because this is actually my passion, right? Cause Fruit and vegetables, yeah, I, I take pride in my job, but not quite my passion. But podcasting was my passion. So uh, I was just not discovered, but I got that job. I got my job that I still have uh, producing podcasts, uh, partly because of what I was doing with that show. That was my sort of portfolio. But then right about six months later, I launched uh, the Podcaster Studio, which was a show about how to podcasting. And that show really was, that was more for me. That was like, okay, this is what I want to talk about on a microphone. Nice. Okay, so that's yeah. I'm just digesting and uh, thinking about fruit now. I guess fruit vegetables. Yes. But <laughs> uh, may or may not get hungry. Yeah, you might be able to be a little healthier after this episode. I don't know. But that's that's interesting though, and and also the 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 fact that folks like us, like I, I don't think I go back quite to two thousand five, but um, definitely six or seven years now with podcasting, and and the fact that some of that stuff is still online. I guess in a comparable world bloggers have articles they wrote you know 10 15 years ago when they first cut their teeth on publicly writing and, and produce or promoting their their work but there's something particularly um i don't know if it's embarrassing or whatever but just hearing your your voice seeing your face on a video in in, in your case for example or whatever that it, it just kind of review <laughs> you can see how raw this this medium was way back yeah. when and gives perspective on you know obviously right now the big talk is serial and stuff and just these heavily produced well done podcasts and it kind of has changed obviously which is good and it's growing but um but yeah remembering sort of where some of us have come from <laughs> is is always is kind of good and uh and uh, reflecting a, a bit on that uh is it's probably healthy to sort well of yeah remember. i mean 
they're early episodes of the Podcaster Studio. So this is a show where I teach you how to podcast and hopefully really well, right? How to produce a high quality show. Uh, typically an audio show, but I talk about video on that as well. And uh, the early episodes, as you go back in the catalog, because what people often do is they'll discover you and, and a lot of people will actually go back through your catalog and I say, oh, well, it's only going to get uglier as you go backwards. <laughs> right. Now I could change that. I could rehash those episodes. I could record, re-record them. Some people do that. After Later on, they're like, gosh, my early stuff is so bad that I want to go back on there, on, back on the microphone and re-record it. And that's fine. But for my specific show, The Podcaster Studio, it's important for me to leave it up there because you can go back to episode one and hear it and see that even I, who, who I now consider myself a pretty good podcaster, it, it's not as good as it is now, right? And so some people, they really hesitate because it's not going to be perfect and you just got to get started. So I leave it up there like, hey, go back, go listen to the first 10 episodes it does not sound very good, um, but the content's good, and you can hear the progression over time, and that's really how it works with podcasting. I always tell people, grow as you go, but you need to start. So I leave it there as a, as a proof that, hey, even the best podcasters had to start somewhere, and it probably wasn't that pretty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and that's, I think, what's great because often we hear the, the bar is now, let's, I mean, I don't think it really is this yet, but like, you know, the bar is serial or whatever, right? And so that's fairly intimidating. But when you look at some of the rest of us, we're still fumbling along and figuring our way out and uh, fumbling over our words and things like that. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's, there was a big sort of dust up a, a couple of weeks ago about, you know, you need to have this mic or that mic and you need to use this mic technique and all that kind of stuff. And those are all good discussions to have. But yeah, the, the basic idea of now it's now more than ever, it's so easy to start podcasting. So to try it out, get going in this thing, this medium that's so fun, at least if, if you enjoy it, yeah. like we do. And then watch like the podcaster studio and, and educate yourself and get better at it. But yeah, I hope there's, if anything, I guess I hope um, to let people know, make sure people know that, that you don't need to be intimidated and there's no wrong answer on how to do your episode one. There may be a wrong answer on how to do episode 99 if you haven't made any improvements, I guess. Right. But even that, I mean, it's just your thing. So, um, yeah, little soapbox, I guess, I got up on there for a moment. Yeah, I think it's tough <laughs> because it's tough because there is serial, which is hyper-produced. Most podcasters are not going to do something like that, right? They are going to do something uh, like we're doing, which is either solo on the microphone or with a co-host via Skype or interviews via Skype, what we're doing right now. So, you know, the, there are two different levels, I would say. There's Serial, which is just sits sort of in a class by itself, uh, there, it, which is not the first podcast like it. It's just the recent buzz. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are, you know, you're you're better off going out and seeing uh, who's in the niche you want to be in. Listen to those shows. See what they're doing. And, you know, if you have to copy the format or, you know, imitate the format, whatever, in the beginning, you can do that and you'll develop your own style. You know, I think a lot of people are also worried that, well, I don't, you know, I don't have, I have to develop my own unique style and everything has to be uh, totally new. Well, you know, none of this is new. We're all sort of recreating radio. But what I think is about neat about podcasting is that you have people who are coming into the space who don't have any training and I'm curious to see what emerges from that, right? Because new things will come out of that. But just start, find something you like, uh, listen to it, you know, and, and sort of aim for that quality. You definitely don't need to be serial, 
Uh, look at the Twit Network. It's really basic, but it's good quality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they've uh, and that again touches back on the design and the web side of things, which you touched, like you know the sort of jack of all trades aspect that we have to be as podcasters. We're knowing a little bit about video and audio, if it or audio and then possibly video, but also web and marketing and SEO and all that kind of stuff and iTunes and and they're like Twit's website is you know for isn't the most amazing looking website in the world, mm-hmm. but but it's not what their purpose is. Their purpose is producing audio and video, and so. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, sort of pick your battles, I guess, especially when you have limited resources, as many of us do. Yeah, I called them simple. So their video is anything but simple. And their studio, which I've been to, it's amazing. I call it the uh, the, the podcaster's pilgrimage uh, out here <laughs> in uh, California. It is, it's open door. You can totally walk in. There's nothing simple about that. But as, yeah. a, as a format, their audio shows, pretty simple. I mean, they're doing, you know, he started in his... Uh, like his attic, right? His little studio and on Skype and a basic mixer and a basic microphone. And you don't even need that much. Yeah. Yeah. I like your, uh, your, um, what's it called Twitter header pick or whatever that you've got there with you and Leo. Oh yeah. I recently out. changed that. That's me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The Twitter header picks got me and Leo at the, uh, at the big table, I guess it's called. And I have the Fez on cause he makes you put that Fez on if, if you want. <laughs> uh, it doesn't make you, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah very, very cool experience. Uh, if you are anywhere near, uh, if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area visiting and you're a podcaster, you have to add that to your list because it's it's right at the gateway of wine country. So it's like 40 minutes out of San Francisco. Uh, if you're into beers, there's an awesome little microbrewery to go eat lunch at before you uh, go. And it's a it's an awesome trip. I had some friends over, Mike Russell from Music Radio Creative. He was over uh, visiting from the UK. And uh, I was like, you, you guys, you have to go to this. And so I met him. And we went out there, and it was an awesome time. Is that the um, is that north? This is not a geography yep. podcast, but north of San Francisco, like yeah, it's north. It's, right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's what I didn't even. Th- I was there uh, now a year and a half ago, I guess it was, but I didn't even think of. I, I for some reason in my head it was farther away. Uh, yeah. From well, it's we sort were. of tucked away in this little city that in Petaluma, California, where most people wouldn't know where that is. Yeah. Um, but basically, if you're in San Francisco. Uh, you have transportation, uh, you can rent a car even for a matter of, you know, half a day. You basically just go over the Golden Gate Bridge and on the other side is where all the rich people live. <laughs> it's all these really nice, little nice communities. Actually, if you're in San Francisco, you're rich too because it is ridiculous yeah. price to live in San Francisco. But um, yeah, it's just over the Golden Gate Bridge uh, about, you know, 30 minutes up the road. So really cool. Nice. All right. Well, next time I go back, we'll do that. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, okay. So um, you touched a bit on Podcaster Studio, the show that uh, sort of got you into doing this. Uh, it's like, because like you said, you're not making your money per se, you're living anyways off of podcasting consulting. Mm-hmm. It's a passion and an interest of yours. You do have... Well, not consulting. I, I'm not living, I'm not making a living off consulting. I mean, I, like I have a full, you know what I mean? My, right. Yeah, I have sorry. a salary job that just happens to be this really unique thing, uh, which is a podcast producer. I do consulting on the side. Uh, so I, I mix all these things, right? Yeah. So. I monetized my skills as a podcaster and got hired to produce someone else's network. Uh, but then I do have my own, I have my own shows that I do where I'm actually behind the microphone. I'm not the host at work. Some people do ask that too. They're like, will you host these? Like, nope, straight up production. And, um, which that probably I would help consulting. too, right? Cause if you were talking all day at your job, your day job, and then on the mic and then to come home and try and do more shows, you know, even if he did have a personal interest, it might, that's probably where it would get quite a bit more draining to just, I don't know. It depends on the person, obviously, again, but Definitely. talking 
wears you out, even though you're just sitting. <laughs> sitting. Sure, sure. <laughs> but uh, anyway, what I was referring to, I guess, is that you're what often or there can be anyways. Pod, there's a lot of uh, folks doing this, and they're all a lot of them are great folks doing this. But you know, you're they're attempting to, or they are making their money purely from consulting. You know, affiliate gear links, all right. that kind of stuff, um, where that's not supporting your family directly. Maybe it's supporting some of the hobbies you get to do or <laughs> toys you buy for your kids or whatever. But, um, uh, and so that's, I've really appreciated just the angle that that brings to your, um, the, well, the language you use and the, and the way that it's used. Like it's, there's genuine interest in helping the community, your gear guide or whatever. That's another big thing now is getting a gear guide out, but <laughs> having, uh, having your gear page is something I often refer back to, um, just for quick advice, especially, you know, pricing on a webcam or a mic mm-hmm. or some audio gear and um, just recently picked up the Logitech C920 webcam that uh, you've recommended for many years. That's what something you use, I know, with your podcaster uh, roundtable. Yeah, nice. Cover in a bit, but uh, um, what, is that part of sort of the crossover again of your day job and your podcasting hobby is having access to some of this gear? Because that's where often I find consultants or podcast folks will, like I could put up a gear guide of stuff, but I've only ever used some old generic mic and then I jump to a high PR 40 and then I have my iPhone. And so like I could say that you should use an audio techno ATR 2100 right. cause I've heard Ray talk about it. So I'll put it on my thing, but I've never actually used it where you seem to have from shows I've watched podcasts I've listened to of yours, you know, you actually have hands-on experience with a lot of this different gear. So, um, is that work related or you just buy and return a lot of stuff? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, I would say it's an evolution. Like in the beginning, uh, when I first got that job, we needed a bunch of gear. We needed cameras and some mixers and a bunch of stuff. So I got to go shop for it. Oftentimes I get to put together these amazing packages, <laughs> which is a lot of fun. Sometimes I get to use the gear. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> uh, but they're like, you know, go spend $5,000 to get this package. And I'm like, great. And I buy stuff that, um, that I normally probably wouldn't buy for myself because uh, it may be pricier or some other reason or it just serves a different function. So Yes and no. Uh, in the beginning, I got to play with some nice cameras and some nicer microphones. But most of the stuff, the gear page you see on on my website um, is stuff I've either either I do own or I have owned. Uh, but it's been a real evolution because I also have a YouTube channel uh, that I do. And I teach people how to shoot really nice, high-quality video. And these days, that means using DSLR for me personally. So I do a lot of how to shoot DSLR uh, video. And through that, uh, that channel has done so well uh, in terms of views and subscribers that I have now have a relationship with one of my affiliates, which is B&H Photo here in, in the US. And I've gotten to the level where I can basically request anything I want and they'll send it to me for a month and then I send it back. Um, and and there is, you know, they, I don't even always have to do a review. They would appreciate if I did a review. Obviously, they're giving me the gear. Um, I don't do reviews. So that gets a little weird, right? People think, oh, well, you just do you do a review because they gave it to you. I don't do a review of the stuff if I if I don't like it, unless it's unless it's so bad that I want to make sure you don't buy this thing. Um, but typically I try stuff out that I either want to use or I need to um I want to recommend or something like that. I usually know it's good before I even try it because that's why I'm asking for it because I'm yeah. like, I've heard this mic is amazing. I know this camera is really good. Let me see for myself. So so a little bit in the beginning uh, was gear from work. I'm also a gear junkie, right? So I've purchased a lot of things through the years. 
uh, whether that be the ATR 2100, because everyone was talking about it. It's funny because I actually, that was one microphone, which you're hearing right now, by the way. Um, I have a few others that I may plug in, but um, <laughs> you're hearing the ATR 2100. Uh, Mike Phillips on Twitter, he is a, uh, his hobby is microphones. And he was talking about this microphone and I was actually recommending it way before I had it. Not something I would typically do because I like to use it first, right? Before you recommend something. But when it comes to someone like Mike, I 100% trust his opinion on microphones. There's another coincidence. His hobby yeah. is microphones. His name is Mike. That <laughs> is a true. That's true. But, um, <laughs> but, but at one point I was like, you know what? I just keep recommending this microphone. I have to get it. And so I bought it. Um, you know, and then, you know, my first microphone was this AT2020, Audio-Technica 2020. It's a condenser microphone. Sounds great. Not exactly set up for most podcasting environments. So I eventually saved up, went to Ohio. Um, so I've tried different things throughout the years. I've amassed a bunch of stuff through my own sort of uh, issues with gear is, oh, I want that, right? As we all, a lot yeah. of us probably listening to the show have that issue. Yeah, I should have a special like uh, confession section maybe of the show yes. just where <laughs> I bought too many high PR40s and I need to confess that. <laughs> need to confess yeah. that I don't need or use this other piece of gear I spent a lot of money on. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so it's like I said, it's sort of been an evolution through the years is some of it started off from work, uh, some of it I bought and now I can, you know, get gear, uh, given to me for review, uh, from B&H. So that's how I basically get my hands on a bunch of different types of gear. And there is so much more <laughs> like I want to go on a quest. Here's, here's the quest I want. And I'm going to try to, to try to do this through B&H personally, unless you know the answer to this, there's not a mixer in the sub, I would say sub $200 range that I know of that can push a high OPR 40 or any really any dynamic microphone cleanly. I feel like I always have to add something to mm -hmm. get the gain high enough to get my good signal to noise ratio, right? To, to make sure that the signal is loud enough. So I want to go on a quest to find that mixer or just get the answer is maybe it doesn't exist. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I'm using an audio recorder right now to do this and you can get that with an audio recorder. So, I've got some things. These are ideas I have daily. <laughs> there, <laughs> there is a there is a a litany of things that I want to test out like this. So, um, so if you see that on my site at some point, it's because I went on some mission to to buy <laughs> stuff and test it. Yeah, well, that's what I know. I'm uh, I like I said, I have the PR40, and then it goes into a Mackie 1620i mixer, and <clears throat> which is way over what I need. Yeah, it's a great microphone. I mean, a great mixer, but it's expensive. Yeah, it was I way overbought, but uh, you can't take them back. At least that's what I told my wife. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because there is a thing called eBay. It's awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, the, yeah, I'm I'm lacking in uh, gain, is basically, or I, because the, the mixer itself, I have to like almost uh, crank the gain up to 11, as they say in Spinal Tap, and yes. get it, uh, to just to get it going properly, but, uh, and sounding decent. Um, and so, which is why I'm doing, you know, the next purchase, I think will be some sort of compressor item, but that's where, um, something you had, we'll call a little gear geeky here. What was that? Um, looks like a little like cigar, uh, just like an XR. Uh, you're hearing that right now too, even though there's nothing to hear. It's called a fed head. Yeah. <laughs> there are two versions of this. It's a there's a fed head and a cloud lifter. I happen to like the fed head because it's just that much more compact. F E T but it's or F E D? F E T head. Right. FET. Yep. And uh it's an inline preamp essentially. It's it's a little thing you plug between your microphone 
and your XLR cable or your XLR cable and your mixer that gives you basically plus 20 to 22 uh, decibels of clean. They say extra clean gain. So true. It's it's a little piece of magic. And like that's what's so interesting is like that idea, which you, you could buy like the, the one I've sort of been lusting after is the uh, DBX 286S yes. compressor, which is like a rack mount. Yes. Lots Following of Christmas, I will own that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. And I have one already. See, that's this is my issue. I already have a compressor. Right. And I'm like, I need the DBX. <laughs> <laughs> but this, the, what's nice about this, and I'm looking at my desk here, and I've got the mixer, which takes up a ton of space, and then to find a, I don't have a rack yet or anything like that, throwing a, the DBX on the desk here, and, and just kind of making chaos. And Have you seen my desktop? I built a desktop rack. Oh. Did you see that? Because I could not buy, I'm not, I'm not necessarily a DIY guy, but... It doesn't exist. There wasn't a rack that was podcast friendly that fit on your desk. I built it. So I have a whole blog post on the podcaster studio. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I'll have to find that link. And the, one of the things I've been doing with, with guests on here actually is get, getting them to send me a photo or a couple of photos of their gear, their desk, their whatever setup that where they do the recording from just because it you know adds a little visual to all the audio that we're talking about. So um, I'll request that of you if you don't. I'm sure you have stuff on your site elsewhere as well. That uh, There may be stuff already. Like right now, the setup is is sad. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit transient at the moment. I'm going to build, I have a detached garage that is going to literally become uh, completely redone and is going to become a studio. Uh, oh, nice. But you know, it's sort of a man cave slash office. I work from home. So uh, I'm working in my dining room at the moment. So you're hearing, but it, you know, the good thing about that is it's proof that, Hey, um, you can do a lot with a little, right? I mean, the audio here should sound really good. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, we're on Skype, so that has some issues. I'm recording it here in studio as well, quote unquote, in studio. <laughs> but um, so yeah, if you saw a picture now, it would just be an iMac with a recorder and a bunch of cables on the desk. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's exactly. So um, you know what, we'll pause for a quick uh, sponsor break, and then we'll get into some of the gear that you're actually using right now. And then also just some of the stuff about your, uh, the podcasters roundtable too. That's a it's 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 interesting how it kind of seemed like we started with video years ago and then video went away because it got hard and complicated mm-hmm. and then now it's kind of with things like YouTube obviously and, and other technologies kind of coming back again and um, yeah just to, uh, to have a little chat about video and podcasting and how that all interfaces but um, I want to thank Campaign Monitor for sponsoring this episode of Show Me Your Mic as well as Good Stuff they've been a founding sponsor of Good Stuff and we really really appreciate them. They are, uh, they just released their best, uh, uh, sort of a guide to the best email campaigns of 2014 that they saw go out. And, uh, so you can check that out at campaignmonitor.com on their blog for ideas and inspiration of, of what, uh, what you might do with your own email campaign, which you can build with their campaign or sorry, template builder at canvas.cm. You can check it out. We use it here at good stuff for sending out our email newsletters, I'm design challenged at the best of times and it makes it super easy just to uh, lay out a really good looking email template, fill in your content, throw in some artwork. In our case, we use show art a lot um, and write up your content, put in even they, they even support animated GIFs or GIFs depending on where you live and uh, which works awesome. It's a fun little way to make a little bit interactive kind of email that goes out to, in our case, our listeners, maybe your clients, potential customers, that kind of thing. All sorts of awesome stats on who's clicked on what, who's shared, where they are. They have a great sort of uh, Google map view of, of uh, 
as your email goes out and people open it, you can see little pop-ups of them on the map. See, it gives a real visual kind of uh, perspective on where your, how far your reach is in a sense. Uh, for us as podcasters, it's, it's often tough to sort of visualize that somebody over in the UK is actually listening to your show or reading your newsletter. And, and this is a great way that Campy Monitor has enabled us in our situation um, to sort of see who all is out there and where they are. And it's always fun just to watch newsletters go out and uh, see them get opened all over the world. So visit campymonitor.com to get started with your own newsletter. And we thank them for sponsoring Good Stuff and Show Me Your Mic. So are you still there, Ray? Yeah, I actually switched microphones on you. <laughs> I thought in honor of your did. show, I had three <laughs> microphones laid out in front of me. And so I switched. So I don't know how that sounds. Um, you know, it's so funny because I said I was using the ATR2100 and I actually like that mic a lot because you're hearing the high LPR 40, uh, which may or may not actually sound better. I did a, a test on my website or one of my episodes where I put the ATR2100, which is about a $50 microphone, uh, next to the, uh, the high LPR 40 and did post-production on them. And uh, I doubt you can tell a difference. I mean, and so you're talking 50 versus about 300 because people lust after this microphone mm -hmm. and it's a great microphone. But, I, you know, these days I don't, you don't have to have it. And you, could, you can start with a $50 microphone and that may be the only microphone, the only microphone you ever need. Yeah, that's what I think is, um, what's great about that one is it's, like you say on your your gear guide, it is it's USB and XLR, so it gives you the ability, I think, to uh, flex. So like you start off mm -hmm. with just going straight into your computer. You don't have a mixer, you don't have anything else. You're just going straight into your computer, done, and you got that mic. Then you upgrade to a mixer later, maybe because you want to bring in other Skype guests or something, sort of do a Skype basaurus thing, whatever. You still can keep using that same mic, whereas other in other situations you'd have to then sell that mic by an XLR mic, yeah, or paper. <laughs> Or a kid's toy. But, uh, and that's, I know it, like you look at the pictures of the two mics and the, the PR40 looks like a fun mic to yeah, use. Yeah, it's cool. But at the end of the day, that's not what people are seeing. You're, there's no, uh, like I think if I, had it, if I had it to do over again, I probably would have bought two, maybe three of the 2100s to have in the house with, I sometimes have people in my wife and other people doing stuff. And, and so it'd be fun just to have three mics all the same that I can quickly throw on and start using um, rather than just having one mic that I use and then having a crappy old mic that <laughs> doesn't <laughs> sound as good because we almost should have done it the, the reverse where we didn't tell we told people you were using the PR40 first and then the, switch the 2100 when in actuality you're doing the other way around just to see if people actually because sometimes there's like I don't know audio snobs kind of like can say they can tell but you know Definitely. that they really can't <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. No. There's definitely built-in bias from yeah. from what you've heard, right? And so. especially where you're like compressing it down, and you know all that stuff. We uh, podcasters have talked about that compressing mm -hmm. it down to MP3. How much really is gonna? There's no doubt that shows, you know, like the Twits shows, uh, five by five shows, that they do sound good. But yeah, I'm with you. I don't know that they. They sound. can make those shows sound just as good with a hundred dollar microphone, though. I yeah. Mean, you know the the Shure SM58 is the classic, and you know. The, the key is if you record it clean, right? So your microphone, if it gives you the ability to, to capture a wide dynamic range and um, it gets it into your recording clean, meaning there's not a lot of noise created by the microphone, then with post-production, you know, you can really round out that mic to sound mostly how you want. Now, I, I have found that 
some microphones I'm like, oh, I can't, I just can't get it to this place, even with post-production that the other microphone goes. But for the most part, you know, record it clean and, uh, you know, do a little post on it. And, you know, they're going to sound, you know, depending on how you want it to sound, you can make it sound the way you want. Right. And that's where I know for me years ago when I bought this PR40, it was kind of like I didn't have confidence that I could play with the settings well enough. And I figured, well, if I start with a really good mic, at least I'll know if nothing else, as long as I don't screw it up, (laughs) it'll sound good. But even then I was probably you know, talking too close to the mic, talk, uh, there's all sorts of factors. That's what uh, sometimes drives me batty with podcasting is there's so many variables at play. I'm talking mm-hmm. to a microphone. If I talk too close or too far away, that's going to affect it. The mic is going to affect it. The cable could affect it a little bit. The mixer settings, there's all sorts of EQ settings on the mixer that could mess up what I'm recording. And then never mind all the effects and stuff I could add in after the fact. So, um, so I'm going to quit podcasting now, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> It's a good choice. You can have so much free time. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> you actually remember your kids' names now. Right, exactly. Uh, all right, so what you were using before was that you're going from a PR40 into, you had mentioned this audio recorder. What were you, what is that? So currently, so I was using the ATR, but now I'm, I'm on the PR40, and both of these were plugged in via XLR into, um, it's an audio recorder called the Tascam DR60D. This thing is it's built for DSLR video. At least it was created for that because it has a couple features that you would want if you're recording dual sound, which is sound outside of the camera. Um, it also has the ability to mount the camera to the top because of its the way it has like a quarter 20 thread on the top of it. Um, but it can be used just like an audio recorder, just like I'm using it now. Uh, so that's what that's the current audio recorder I'm using. I have a couple. And so that's actually functioning as your preamp before I get the audio, Yes, right? Yes, that is um, as a, working as the preamp. It supplies, in this case, phantom power, uh, which you don't need for dynamic mics, but I mentioned I have the Fethead. So the Fethead needs phantom power to power it, and it does not pass it on to your microphone, mm. but it powers the Fethead, and that is then plugged into the microphone. So it is a preamp as well. If you don't use phantom power, if you have dynamic microphones, then again, you just set the gain settings to where you want them and hit record. And so it records onto a SD card of some sort that you've got right. in there. Yep. And are you messing around with much on, like I'm just looking at a picture of it and you know, there's all sorts of little dials and knobs and, and things yep. on there, but is it basically just a, a glorified tape recorder or do you do stuff to it, to the audio within this device? Yeah, I, I don't. I actually, I have a limiter and a low cut on right now. The low cut, probably not necessary. It's actually at like uh, like 40 hertz. It's not enough to, to affect much of anything. Um, so the question remains, why do I have it on? But you can put on certain things like compression and stuff like that. I typically don't do that because I'm going to post-process my audio. So I don't want to bake in those settings. But I do have a limiter on as well because... I don't know. Maybe I guess I think I'm. We're gonna yell on this show. I, <laughs> it I don't gets know pretty why. intense at the end. Don't it gets intense. Yeah. I was planning to get pretty upset. <laughs> I, it's a completely different show than I thought yeah. it was. But um, yeah. So I don't do a whole lot in terms of um, in terms of any kind of processing in the unit itself. It has this really unique function that <clears throat> getting extra geeky. Uh, typically, people want to do a mix minus uh, to do like uh, Skype recordings or or something like that via Google Hangouts. But um, you need a mixer to do that because it has an auxiliary send. Well, 
the headphone output of this, you can monitor any channel uh, that's going into the Tascam. You can monitor only that channel. So I'm sending you only channel one, which has my microphone. So effectively, I'm using an audio recorder um, as a mix minus because I can bring you in as well, but you don't hear yourself back. So it has a really unique feature. It lets me do some extra geeky things in terms of um, some stuff I do for podcasters roundtable. Um, but also, you know, I always tell people when they're choosing gear, ask me first because every setup is so unique. Like we talked about, the ATR may be the only microphone you ever need. 50 bucks, USB, open up Audacity and go. You, that might be your podcast. I mean, if it's just you talking about something, you're done. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the audio is fantastic. You don't, you're not going to do interviews. You're not going to have co-hosts. It's just me on microphone talking to you. So that's it. 50 bucks, high quality, super ease of use, USB, free software audacity. You are done. So I always tell people, ask me because I see these all in one packages that people sell. And yeah, you might get nice audio at the end of it, but you don't need all of that. And a lot of times people get overwhelmed. They're like, I have all this professional gear that I either don't know how to use. I don't want to learn how to use it or it's way more than I need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's exactly sometimes how I, like I said, how I felt with it too, where it's just like, okay, this is great. I've got those stuff, but you have to know how to use this. Like with great tools comes great responsibility or something like that. Um, and, uh, and that, that's why I think this is so neat. This, cause I, I asked you on, uh, the exclusive, uh, Ray Ortega Google plus hangouts or uh, community. If you're a Patreon supporter of Ray, you can join. Um, you know, would you have used this thing if you didn't come at it from the DSLR photography video world? Mm -hmm. Cause it wouldn't be like most podcast folks like myself would have looked at it and thought, oh, okay, that's well, if, if I was doing video with a DSLR, that's what I would need, but I'm not. So I'm not even going to bother. And you said, right. That, like, that's where it came on your radar basically because of some of that experience mm -hmm. you had. And that's, I think there's, there's lots of opportunities for little things like that where hacks almost in a sense of, of other utilities and tools that just because someone else hasn't done it yet, doesn't mean it won't work for what we're trying to accomplish here, which is get audio out to people basically. So. Totally. I mean, one thing that's come over from, I feel like, DSLR world, the, the Zoom H4n was huge for DSLR. Because DSLRs, if you know, they the audio they record is terrible. If you plug microphones into it, it's not good. And it all has to do with the preamp. It's just noisy. It's not built for that. And so in the early days, people, if they want a good audio, you record it separately. The Zoom H4n was the, was the, the device that people were recommending. I have it. But now they've upgraded that to the Zoom H5 and H6. And so podcasters may be a little more familiar with, with those, that sort of um, the Zoom series. Mm -hmm. But the H5 is also fantastic. And um, I set up people all the time uh, with just a nice microphone, which may be the ATR or uh, like a Shure SM58 or something like that. I actually don't don't set that up. It is usually the ATR these days. That mic is newer. It hasn't always been an option. It is a newer mic, only maybe a year or two old. Uh, but I set people up with that, you know, the recorder and the microphone, and that's all they need. And a lot of people have plans to go mobile as well. And the, you know, having that small recorder, you can just throw that in a pocket or your backpack and you're out of the studio recording high quality audio. So again, it really comes down to what are you planning to do, right? I mean, if if you want to go in the field, you've got a 16-channel mixer, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. good luck. 
<laughs> I, I do have a backpack with a power supply, a gas mm-hmm. tank for yeah. the generator. <laughs> generator. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very portable. So if like that idea, I guess if because what I think people, um, I guess what's the other show? Startup. Um, Alex Bloomberg's podcast about podcasting and network or whatever. Um, that one where he's doing interviews with people, you know, his wife, and then he's in a coffee shop, maybe with his buddy his partner, whatever, talking about stuff. Um, something like an H5, H6 would be what he was likely using, right? Actually, I know exactly what he's using for a couple of reasons. Uh, I asked him on Twitter. No, well, that's, <laughs> that's a good way. Because listening, I was listening to the show and I was like, how is he getting like, how is this, how is he getting good audio in these in cer- certain weird situations where I, I couldn't imagine having a big microphone in someone's face was very conducive to the story. Turns out it is. But um, so he is, if you know him, he's from uh, This American Life. He was producer for a long time, Planet Money, these huge radio shows, NPR shows that are also really successful in podcasting. And I wanted to know how he was recording this because, like you said, he gathers interviews with his wife or he's on the street talking to somebody. Uh, So he actually uses a shotgun microphone that he handholds and it goes into like a Tascam. I think it's like the... Gosh, I'm going to forget DR40 Mark II or I don't know something like that. It's basically a a decent, um, I think Sennheiser microphone. I posted this on Twitter and a Tascam recorder. It, uh, you know, has two XLR inputs. Basically, off the shelf stuff that that you would find you know a podcaster using. Um, not that expensive, but you know he knows what to use. And so he comes from a radio side where this is how they gathered a lot of their audio content. Where if you go out in the street. And you talk to somebody, you've got this, this nice shotgun microphone because it's got good rejection. It's got good quality if you're pointing it right at your source. And he just holds it, right? And so he literally, and he only has one microphone. I said, do you entertain the thought of having two channels? Because he's always going to have all his audio on one channel. But he is oftentimes, he's part of the audio. And mm-hmm. even the uh, surrounding sounds are part. So it's all of the way, the style that he does. And he will hold the microphone to his mouth and talk and then he'll just pass it over to the person that he's talking to and right. uh, I also hung out with him in San Francisco uh, because if you don't know if you don't know creativelive.com it's awesome it's basically free live streaming amazing content he put on a workshop uh, oh, right. a couple I months ago you were on that I, that should have been yeah. part of my notes because I watched I saw your your hand go up and ask some that's right <laughs> I think you tweet I think it's in real time you yeah. you asked me I was sitting there and you asked me are you are you there and then you're like wait I actually just saw you stand up on video so yeah. I I guess you are I guess that answers that so and I asked him again he showed the setup I, I took a picture of it and tweeted it and uh and I asked him again some of these questions about the setup about two channels and everything and no this is the way he does it and it sounds great uh but he is literally it, it's so funny because he's like you know what you have to um does he feel stupid sometimes? He has his headphones on. He has a recorder in one hand, a shotgun mic in the other, and he goes into public like this everywhere. He walks around the house like this and, and puts the microphone in front of his wife. And so people think, oh, he must be doing these like, he must be having a lav mic and, and doing all these things. But no, yeah. he literally is just wearing all this stuff, looking goofy out in the public. And he's like, you just, you got to let that go. It's all about, you know, for him, it's all about the story and and getting uh, the recording. So he just does it. And yeah. you might see him on the street with all this gear on. Which is, again, one of those things where a lot of podcasters might think, I want to do that kind of show and do that. But then 
when you actually think about it, like that means you have to leave your house and you have to, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm talking to myself as well here, I'm not trying to like label somebody a nerd and mm-hmm. a recluse, but like you have to get out of your house. You have to be comfortable talking to a stranger or a relative stranger sometimes with a microphone and look goofy doing it. And, but also still trying to maintain this semblance of a good discussion and a normal, because that's what he does a great job of. And, and the NPR mm-hmm. folks, obviously in general is, they have this amazing kind of normal looking discussion, sounding discussion, all the while, like you said, they have headphones, they're, they're hand holding the mic themselves. They don't always necessarily have an assistant who's, you know, miking them the conversation or whatever. It's just kind of a field reporter and, and, uh, yeah, and it takes a lot of that kind of like just personal guts and sweat. It's difficult. <laughs> it's difficult and it's oftentimes, it's scary, right? I mean, I even battle this myself. Like I'm not the most outgoing, sociable person. I was very shy growing up until I got to college uh, and decided to throw that out the window and be a little bit more, uh, a <laughs> little bit more interactive. Uh, but I'm still shy by nature, I would say. And um, which some people might think that that's weird because I'm on video and all this stuff. But uh, it's easy when we're, you know, sort of not really in public. We're in public by throwing our recordings out there. But you're not actually in public, right? Yeah. But um. You know, I go out and I shoot uh, video in public. Oftentimes I have to gather interviews and I'm there with my camera. And sometimes I have to sometimes talk myself into, hey, you need to go over there, get into that crowd to get that shot. Like I have to, because so, it's easy if you, especially if you have a zoom lens, you're like, oh, I'll just stand back here and I'll get the shot. And that's not it. That's not, that's not where the shot is at. Or that's not the person you need to talk to is the person like next to you or the person who's willing to. It's sometimes I find myself pushing myself often like, Hey, go do it. You got to go do it. <laughs> you know, when you get back to the edit, you're going to love what you have. So it's even a personal challenge for me. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that. There's friends I know in real life here, like where I live, who have, who would never even guess that I would be talking to, you know, you being a relative stranger for the most part, we've never right. talked before and have it carrying on an hour and a half or whatever conversation about stuff that, that like the idea of me doing that is completely foreign to them and like there's no way whereas you know obviously people who listen to the show it's it's who I am and that's what I do but <laughs> yeah that's uh and yeah I especially doing video I find and I've never really done in the field quote unquote in the field recording of audio stuff so I can't speak to that but I know doing video stuff it's terrifying sometimes like I don't know how some folks you just like you said you psych yourself up get over that fear of being rejected mm-hmm. or whatever and stick a camera in someone's face willingly obviously not <laughs> just confrontational but you know and and do that because it's you just feel like a dummy sometimes lugging all this gear around but yeah. totally anyway. it's, it's yeah it's definitely something i think a lot of people look at it and think it's just natural and i think a lot of people actually have to work hard to 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 put themselves out there and mm-hmm. get and get good stuff it, it's not it's not necessarily easy sure some people are naturally born for that but you know my boss uh chris he's a he's a really accomplished street photographer and it's funny because we go, we'll go to different cities around, around the U.S. Uh, <clears throat> live streaming conferences that we do, and on our downtime, we'll go walk the streets of Boston or Philly or New Orleans or something like that. And uh, because we'll spend hours out there shooting photography, and I, I do photography as a hobby, so I'm done within like you know half hour or whatever. <laughs> I got my pictures, but he's really accomplished street photographer. But he, he has. N- I, he doesn't have that filter almost to almost to a point where it's it's too much. I mean, he will he will get right in your face right. to a total stranger, take the shot. He gets amazing images. Now he's got 
it's something in him that's different. I can't do it. I, I actually sit back like about 50 feet and I'm just waiting for him to get punched or something, right? Yeah, like um, you get embarrassed for him or something. <laughs> I you, Totally, yeah. completely, completely, you nailed it, yeah, right? I'm totally. like, I'm uncomfortable, right, by the situation yeah. and I'm not even doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> and I've tried, I was like, in the beginning, I was like, oh, I'm going to try to do some cool street photography, which typically means you you have to get involved. And I I can feel the sort of, uh, the the non-comfort level of a lot of people. And I'm, it's, I don't know, I project my feelings on the people, I guess. And if yeah. I'm uncomfortable, I feel like they are. And so, so in that situation, that's not for me. I'm not good at that. And he's really good at that. Yeah. Yeah. You described my, my wife and I, our relationship to a T there where I, <laughs> I project what I'm feeling onto other people and think she shouldn't or whatever. And we, yeah, there's sorts of fights there. So good marriage therapy as well. Um, <laughs> I was going to mention just, uh, this show will hopefully go out today, uh, December 23rd. And, uh, that course actually with Alex Bloomberg at creative live, which I'll put a link to in the show notes is on sale right now, $20 off. I think mm. it's regularly 99. It'll be on for 79. Um, would you say you were there? So would you say it's worth checking out if you're at all interested in that sort of storytelling aspect of podcasting or what, 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 who should kind of be interested in that course? If you listen to, I guess, serial and startup, and that is the type of thing you want to do. If you want to be a better interviewer, the, the, the way they titled that is really, uh, I think is wrong because what is it? It's, it's power your podcast with storytelling or something yeah, like that. Yeah. It's don't think you're going to get much about podcasting in there. It's, it's really not. Um, it is his 20 plus years of experience of producing those type of shows, uh, and really how to talk to people, how to interview. So if storytelling is something you're interested in, that's a great thing to, to look at. You're going to glean a lot of stuff from his experience storytelling, but the podcasting is just kind of thrown in there, I think, because he was doing a podcast because it's popular, um, you can do any of that does not have to involve podcasting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I think, yeah, it's, I watched, I think the one day, the first day of it anyways, live and, and definitely mm -hmm. it wasn't, there's better ways to learn about the technical stuff. Probably Ray's site is probably <laughs> where you could learn a lot more about the technical stuff of podcasting, but, but certainly, yeah, if, um, interview skills, storytelling, that kind of stuff is what I was sort of keen on. So you can check that out. Uh, even at $99, it's still a pretty good, there's a lot of material in there, not to show for them too much. And, but. Yeah. And here's, here's a secret, actually. Um, there is a, uh, there's a secret. Uh, if you are uh, not interested in spending the money, uh, you can catch, uh, Creative Live does a lot of replays where if you're sitting there live, um, you can watch it. So check their calendar they may replay that for free. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you sit there, you know, on you know Friday, the, the 16th of whatever month it is, uh, they'll be showing it live streamed as a sort of a rerun and you can catch it for free. So check that out too. If you're like, well, I really want to see that. I don't have the money. Yeah. You can always check out their stuff that way. Yeah, that's a great idea too. Um, I know a, a friend of mine, my brother-in-law, he recorded, I think, some of their this probably breaks some terms of service for them. I don't know how it would work, but they, you know, like he's over in Australia and he's streaming it and he captured it, you know, using ScreenFlow or something, whatever he used mm -hmm. to record the videos for, so not, I'm sure, <laughs> yes. I started doing that with the Alex Bloomberg one. I was like, I should try this, but then like I needed to use the computer and it's like, it's kind of a pain. So yeah, but, it is um, a pain. It's, and, and for uh, $79, you get HD video and all mm -hmm. sorts of course material and stuff too. So it's pretty cheap, but anyways. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like I idea. said, if you watch it in real time when they're actually live streaming it, when you're recording it, it's free. So I've given away, uh, you know, whole weekends to catch like amazing courses. You know, maybe a a Final Cut 
uh, Pro 10 yeah. course. And I will sit there because if you watch it in real time, it's free. And they also have a discounted rate during real time. So I absolutely love it. Um, I've been a big promoter of it for a long time because it's amazing content that's really available to to everyone. You can either exchange some of your money or your time. Yeah. Um, and I promote them all the time because I think it's so amazing. They're also what I would say gold standard for web streaming. Their production is amazing. Yeah. Audio cool. fantastic. Yeah. Video is amazing. They their live streaming, everything is top notch. Yeah. I remember even and improving too. Like when I remember when they first launched, it was a little rough, you know, and just the studio yeah. looked a little rougher, but they were, you know, it was definitely getting working out the kinks and stuff. And yeah, yeah. they opened a whole new studio here in San Francisco. And I will say if you are near Seattle or San Francisco, this is another trip to make. You can apply to be in the audience of these. And that's what I did. Um, it's amazing, especially the San Francisco one. Their food is awesome. It is <laughs> so much fun. If you are a production geek at all, oh man, it is, um, it's a blast to go participate in one of these workshops. It's, they treat you so well. And, um, it's, it's literally, it's like going to camp. It's like production yeah. camp. It's so much fun. Well, that's what I was good. with the, uh, like attending a live streaming of it or either in person or, or just watching it, you know, you're getting this thing for free. You could, you could go to spend $500, $1,000 on up, I'm sure on a in-person training session for Final Cut or whatever at a school and getting it, at least getting this where it's nearly as good, if not better in some cases with, with a lot of the folks that they get, it's free and you just, so you devote a week and you get mm -hmm. or a weekend or whatever. Um, okay. So quickly ish, um, the YouTube channel that you've set up, you mentioned about for doing DSLR video and stuff, but you're also using it for the podcasters roundtable, which is a great uh, series of just sort of whatever, three to five, I don't know, however many you've had on um, total, but podcasters on each episode, picking a topic and kind of like in the spirit of what I do too, where it's less about the gear and specifics, more about, uh, I like to say the philosophy of podcasting, but sort of headier stuff, not that it's super deep, but <laughs> just mm -hmm. the, the thoughts about podcasting that we don't often get to debate or discuss or, or things like that. And so... I guess, first of all, why did you choose to do it in video form? I think you do an audio version as well, right? You can, yeah, right. Yeah. But, you know, you're doing it in video and releasing it in a video using Google Hangouts. What was the sort of moment or the decision behind doing that, doing it that route? Yeah. So the Google Hangouts on air as a platform was the motivation for that. When I saw that Google Hangouts or Google Plus was going to do this thing, uh, I guess they started with Hangouts and then they said they were going to do, which Hangouts were just sort of like, uh, you know, video conferencing, but there was no recording feature or anything like that. There was no live, I guess it was live, but uh, anyways, it was a different, yeah, it's a it different didn't, animal. Didn't I never punch used it to Hangouts. YouTube right away or anything. Like it was right, kind of like, none of that. A, yeah. So they said they're going to do Hangouts on air, which was basically a live streaming platform. And, um, so you could go out to unlimited. That's the thing. Uh, Hangouts was 10 people at any time right, to watch. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's no good for, for a podcast. Um, but a live streaming to as many people as you want, that is. And so when I heard that uh, and started seeing some celebrities getting test accounts and I knew this was going to go to the public, I said, I have a show for that. Um, because what we're doing right now is something, you know, which is two podcast geeks on Skype geeking out. This is a conversation I would have uh, just normally without even recording it. I would just geek out with my friends. And I said, I want to do that. Um, basically round table style live and that'll be the show. And, um, it really has turned into more than I thought it would be. I, I 
thought it would just be me gathering with with the, the you know the geeky friends of mine who are in podcasting uh, just talking about it. But people really love the format, and so the whole motivation was the platform. It made it so easy for us to gather right on video. It didn't need to be video, but it happened to be video, uh, and talk. You know, and you know have several people on up to ten as far as uh, Google Plus Hangouts on air works. And uh, then it just gets recorded automatically and it goes into YouTube and in limitless, in, you know, unlimited amount of people can watch this happen in real time. And then I just do a, an audio version as well and put that into a podcast feed because um, I'm not even sure that was the, the intent in the beginning. But as a podcaster, I'm like, well, of course, I might as well make it available as a podcast. Um, and a lot of people listen to it that way. Um, so the platform itself was completely the motivation for a podcasters roundtable. Yeah, I think that's I've I've often said on the show too that the that platform is a feels like a vastly underutilized uh, platform in the circles that I'm in, anyways. In in podcasts, I know there's lots of podcasters and and YouTube whatever personalities and types who are well aware of Google Plus, but it's kind of like because it it's it's uh, the gateway to it is through Google Plus. It kind of got this bad rap i think on under on certain nerd groups or whatever i don't know yeah and rather than seeing it as the opportunity for really easy and free google or video streaming like you said it was kind of like this social experiment by google that i don't want to be a part of and so and they're forcing me to do so i don't want to touch it at all and so i think a missed opportunity there for a lot of folks but their losses are gain obviously (laughs) for for missing out on that but uh the one thing that has sort of vexed me a bit and this probably goes back to being a little bit more overcomplicated in gear for my sake but there's probably folks like me out there um heaven forbid but the uh doing the video part of it is great but then sort of repurposing that audio and you post a little bit of a video to your patreon thing but talk to me a bit about how you're getting the audio out of there to be workable and usable in sort of a traditional audio podcast format as well. Yeah, so I think a lot of people, they're interested in how can I use Google Plus Hangouts on air to record my show and then make that into a podcast. And a lot of times the answer is, well, they just you, people will tell them, hey, just rip the audio out of, out of the video. And there are, uh, it's a nice backup for me, and there are plenty of rounds, as I call them, episodes, as you laymen would know them as. <laughs> As so fancy. There are pl- yeah, right. There are plenty of rounds where um, I have done that. I've just taken the audio, ripped it out of the video, and that goes in the feed. And the quality is, it's passable. Let's say it's passable. It works. Mm. Um, and, you know, the funny thing is most people will not notice. My my uh, listeners happen to be uh, podcasters, so they, they have a more uh, geekier ear for that type of thing. But most people will not notice. Well, and, and probably too quality. where you, you know, when once you set the bar of like, you know, recorded audio that you normally would do, and right. then you throw in an episode that's just recorded or using the Google video, you know, stripping out the audio from the video, people can tell right away there. You'll notice if you go backwards, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, but if you just start with the Google video, I guess mm-hmm. you could probably get by with that. And, and Exactly. And you could, and but, you know, me being me and gear <laughs> yeah. and quality and all that stuff, um, I don't do it that way. I, I basically, I use this recorder that I'm using right now and just like I'm doing this uh, with you, I've got my microphone goes into one channel and um, actually a little different. Since the ATR allows you to do USB as well, I actually interface the Hangout with the USB. So I'm using both the outputs at the same time, which is amazing that like, the microphone does that. Yeah, exactly. For a 50 Because to do that with a Heil... Yeah, yeah forget would, it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can't. I mean, you could, I it's guess... convoluted. Yeah, you'd buy another <laughs> USB-based mixer or device 
whatever. Anyways, yeah, preamp. Yeah, it, it's not easy. But this microphone, I just plug in USB and I plug in my XLR. So I do that. I also bring the Hangout into the recorder onto its own track uh, because there are multiple inputs on here. And I record uh, I record that. So what you're getting in the uh, the audio version of the show is you're getting my nice microphone direct to the recorder so it doesn't, doesn't go through uh, the internet. So it doesn't get processed by Google. And so that's really clean. And people are used to that. In fact, they're, they're more used to, um, like if the, the host audio is really good but the guest is not as good, that's accepted because people are used to radio shows where people call in on phones or it's Skype or something, right? Yeah. So there's a perception there. Whereas if yours was really bad but the guest it was really good, that would be weird. Um, so anyways, you get my really good audio and you get the Google Hangout on air is mixed with all the other people on um, the Hangout. However, I think, I, I'm, this is unconfirmed, but I think the, the quality of the audio that you're getting in real time is better. Well, it's certainly better than what you're going to get out of the archived um, YouTube version because that's then compressed further, right, for mm-hmm. YouTube. So so that is confirmed. I mean, so the, I'm capturing the audio as it's coming across in real time into my recorder. Um, and then you will see the archive video. That audio may be okay as well but it has been further compressed by YouTube um, for the the video archive. So, so on I'm your, capturing, yeah, yeah sorry to interrupt. I just want to get, so on your, let's say an iMac or whatever you're using, but yep. you have your, to get that Google Hangout audio live, you're just going out the audio, like the headphone jack or whatever, audio line out of the iMac. So, a, or what's your process there? So, I mean, because everything's handled with Google Hangouts, I mean, I'm literally just sending my ATR via USB into the Hangout, right? Yeah. And that's it. I mean, but then how do you record that back onto the 60D? The the your your guests, I guess, in this case. The, so the guests, yes, the guests are coming out of the. Uh, it is an iMac, but any any line out. Um, I'm actually using a Griffin iMic, but all that is is an is a, like a USB sound card that gives you analog inputs, which right. is 3.5 millimeter. Um, you can use the the headphone output of your computer. That literally just goes into the Tascam. Right. Okay. And that's what I was. Yeah. There's nothing sort of pre anything or whatever. Uh, in line there, it's just a nope. your eighth there's inch no processing, inch. no, it's or just not, a not. It's exactly, yeah, eighth inch into the uh, well, it's converted. Uh, actually, no, I mean, because there is an eighth inch input for channels three and four on the Tascam, right? Oh, yeah, so it actually goes eighth inch to eighth inch right into uh, into the recorder. There's no other processing, and and here's the ad- extra step is I will then post process the audio, right? For um, they are separate channels, so I can post process my side and then the guest side, which. You know, you have to sort of aim for the middle when you're post-processing. Yeah. One channel has several people on it. But what's good is I can then fix levels, right? So if you've got one guest that's really, really low and one guest that's high, I can make some adjustments. Plus, I can do some compression and EQ and all that stuff. Although I will say, if you do the, the key is to make sure in the, the quote-unquote pre-show, when you gather before you hit start your broadcast, um, Google Hangouts has this app called Control Room. But before that... You want to get levels, right? Make, go through each person, have everyone be quiet. Ask one person to tell you what they had for lunch. We do all the time uh, for our video stuff. And uh, just to get people talking. And make sure the level's good. Um, have them switch their levels. Have them use a different microphone. You know, if, if they have an earbud mic, anything to get better audio in. Because it's always about how well you record it. And, you know, what you, the audio you send to the recorder you want to make that as good as possible because post-processing, you can only go so far. So 
evil out those levels best you can. And uh, Google Hangouts has all these apps, uh, which is really cool. They always they are always giving you new stuff for Hangouts, which is really cool. And one of these is called, I think it's called Control Room. And you can actually get some sliders where you can adjust someone's audio. So if they don't have that ability for whatever reason, you can bring them up or turn them down. Uh, so balance your audio. Um, get all your guests as best as possible to be even uh, before you start recording. Yeah. Yeah, which is, again, like we talked about uh, maybe before we start recording, but like Skype, you're limited a lot with what you can do. And um, there's, yeah, the Hangouts thing is is a great great way to use some of that. And it's, um, I guess it's a, maybe a little bit more complicated getting people into Hangouts for some reason. It's maybe more intimidating. I don't know what it is exactly as, as a tool as to why, like Skype, you know, is sort of the de facto standard. And so, especially if you're going outside of the traditional podcasting circles, mm-hmm. you and I have a, a bit of a, a bonus or a, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? A, a freebie or a gift in that we talk with podcasters. And so they come prepared yeah, generally for yep. for this kind of stuff but but yeah if you're going outside of those those circles where you're not sure what kind of mic they might show up if they have a mic and those kinds of things then skype, so. skype has become a it's a verb just like um you know googling something right it's like yeah. oh well I'll, I'll skype you right yeah. i mean like most people know what you mean when you say skype i mean you know cnn or you know news agencies they all use skype so most people have heard of skype and or have an account. So you're like, hey, I'd like to do this interview, you know, with so-and-so who doesn't do this type of thing online. And you ask them, hey, you know, do you have Skype? And most of the times, oh, yeah, I have Skype. So because they talk with their family. So Skype is just, it's ubiquitous, right? Whereas Google Plus, it's like, oh, I've never done a Hangout. In fact, so what's one of the really cool things about the roundtable, what I enjoy is that, um, you know, I say that it's podcasting, learning podcasting through discussion. So it's podcasters talking about podcasting. And my real goal is to bring in the experience of all these other podcasters because uh, back to throwing this way back to uh, my whole thing, whereas you're becoming the go-to people, anyone who produces a podcast has a lot of cool information to share, but not everyone has a podcast about podcasting, right? So hopefully, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So this is this is your chance to share something that you know you probably have that's really valuable to everybody um, who's learning podcasting, and and you, you don't need a whole show for it. So you come on, you share that experience, and people, I say, don't don't listen to me or Dave or Daniel, any one person. Listen to everybody. Cherry pick the pieces you want for your show that will help you. Take those back to your show, and and implement that. And so, um, you know, Google Plus. Uh, I don't actually totally derailed myself. I don't remember what the point was, but um, you know, Google Plus. Gosh, what was my point? We were talking about how not everyone has Google Plus, or um, yeah, you know, oh, I was going to say, I was going to say that oftentimes people who come on the show who are podcasters have never done a hangout on air. They're like, oh, hey, this is my first hangout on air. I was like, oh, cool, I'm breaking you in. But so even the geeky people, there's a lot of them who have still never done a hangout on air. So. Translating that over to the normal person, you know, quote unquote normal person, um, the person who doesn't do this stuff on a regular basis, they are going to be probably really confused by Google Plus, even though it's not hard. Essentially, I think if you have Gmail these days, which again is ubiquitous, you have a Google Plus account. Um, so if I sent yeah. you a link, you 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 would all you would have to do is click on the link and you would essentially be in the Hangout. It's not complex, but it definitely is perceived as much more complex. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's what uh, we we use it at Good Stuff occasionally. Actually, there's one tonight we're doing, a, we call it our happy hour hangouts with some of the hosts and stuff of other shows. And, and, and a lot of them, too, have never, don't ever use it outside of when I force them to, to come and talk. Nice. And, and again, it's the, I think it's a podcaster thing, too, where I, you, nobody can see my face right now. I can't see your face. We're not, or there's no webcam, anything going on here. Right. And I think a lot of podcasters could benefit um not just because I'm sure they're very handsome or beautiful or whatever, but also just from the seeing a human face behind some of the stuff that you're doing really helps your audience understand. Even I remember one uh, listener saying after we did one of our happy hour hangout things and just sort of got to actually see the faces of some of the people that uh, she had listened to for 40 episodes on a podcast. It was like, I'm actually more engaged and want to go back and listen now again because not like re-listen. She wasn't that desperate, but right. to listen. But, but just the, you know, now that she knows how Adam in that case or Tim or whoever it was says something and reacts to things, and it just kind of gives that mental picture uh, that you can go back to and then just listen and and helps fill out that color in. I guess the the picture. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're human beings. Like that's how we communicate. We we pick up a lot of nonverbal stuff, right? When you when you watch someone talk, it's like, why would I want to sit there and watch? Uh, just talking head video. But if you don't, you know, if you, it, it's so funny because I'll go to a conference, people are like, oh my gosh, you're nothing like you sound or, you know what I mean? Like you're nothing <laughs> yeah. like I pictured you. So if at least if, if, if anything, it lets you, it lets people see who you are and, and maybe the imaginary you is better. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe just stay off webcam at that right. point. But, <laughs> exactly. but you know what? We communicate best when we can see each other, look into each other's eyes and it does add, it, 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 increases the intimacy of the whole thing, right? Podcasting is already very intimate. You feel like you know the person. And so, gosh, if you can see them, you really feel even that much more of a connection. Yeah. And so would you, I guess, I mean, it's kind of a loaded question, I guess, because you're using this, but would you recommend podcasters investigate at least using something like YouTube and, and Google Hangouts as a method for doing their podcasts at all? Like, is it I would worth say it in like, terms of audience even and numbers? And that's always, you know, is it worth the effort, all that kind of stuff? Probably not for like, not for numbers. I wouldn't say like start a YouTube channel or start it, well, even that might work, but or, or start Google Hangouts on air so you can massively grow your audience. First of all, if you have time, right? Because it's just another level of production. It's just more stuff you have to do. So if you have time to integrate uh, video, a YouTube channel is great. Uh, there are ways to do that with your podcast that are specific for YouTube um, that we could probably talk about another time. But um, Google Hangouts on air, what I love is very easy way to dip your toe or to get started in uh, video, to get started in live streaming, uh, to get started in interviews. So it really is like one platform that can get you instantly into all these things, including YouTube. Um, so if you have the time to add that in, it's worth experimenting with. But I wouldn't say, you know, podcasters get overwhelmed. They're like, oh my gosh, I have to add this thing, right? I have to have a Facebook page because everyone does, right? Yeah. Which is not true. Like, Add in the stuff you have time for, and if you like it, then then bring it into your show. But don't go there because you feel like you have to. I don't feel like it's going to do anything so dramatic to your show that if you're not there, you're missing out on some kind of massive audience or something. Yeah, I would I would agree. That's what, we've we've taken sort of that uh, approach with good stuff is just sort of experimenting a little bit, seeing what what sticks, what doesn't, and and not full, throwing our full weight behind something like that yet. And and uh, and you get. There's the folks who love that kind of stuff who, as far as watching it and you get their feedback and, and that can be encouraging, which is good, but it doesn't necessarily mean that your entire audience is going to follow you there and, and likely won't because they tune in because they just want audio. They want to listen while they're 
jogging or washing dishes yeah, or whatever. The majority of your audience is still going to come from the audio. And again, I, I have an audio only feed. I mean, it's, it's time shifted, right? It, it can be heard anytime you want. You can watch the video anytime you want, but it is easier to take audio with you and listen. So the majority of the audience for that show that is built on this live streaming video platform comes from the audio podcast. So, yeah. all right. Well, speaking of podcasts, before we wrap up, one thing I ask every guest is what podcasts do you listen to and what, what apps do you listen to them or app do you listen to them on? So I don't know if you have, do you even, do you even listen, do you have time to listen to podcasts right away? <laughs> <laughs> I used to have so yeah, many podcasts, I, like 60, 80 in my feed, uh, <laughs> that now it's, it all fits on one page of pocket cast. So I use pocket casts and my phone is nice. charging up. So it's killing me right now because I'm like, Oh, I could quickly look at it. But from memory, I mean, some of the shows that I listen to, um, obviously I, I enjoy startup. It's the most recent one that I like, but it's not regular. So, um, that is a problem in podcasting, right? It's you mm-hmm. just, It just comes out when it does. But when it does come out, I enjoy it. Uh, but that's the newest of them. Uh, one of the oldest uh, shows that I listen to audio only that I still highly enjoy is uh, Dave Jackson. He, he co-hosts the roundtable with me. Uh, Dave Jackson does uh, the School of Podcasting. And uh, Dave is, I think he may be the first podcast about podcasting. Um, he is truly a, uh, an OG of podcasting. He, uh, <laughs> he was there in the very beginning. And so I love that show and have listened to that show uh, from from the day I found it way back in, who knows, gosh, seven or something. I used to get in trouble at work for listening to that show. I did the one earbud thing oh, nice. and I'd be on the floor <laughs> working and they'd be like, you can't do that and take that out. And I was like, okay. And then, of course, a few minutes later, you know, an hour later, they have to tell me to take it back out again. But because <laughs> uh, at the time I was like, you know, I was literally Johnny Five, like need more input. Nice. Like I was just trying to get, that's a short circuit joke. Yeah. Uh, really I know, I, I don't know if, yeah. right. <laughs> see how many listeners so, get it. But. Yeah, uh, Steve Guten, was it Gutenberg? Anyways, yeah. um, 80s, 80s humor. So <laughs> I listen to those shows. Um, gosh, I have Twit on my thing. I don't really listen to that show anymore. Um, it's so funny because Dave put out a tweet the other day asking for, or maybe it was an email, asking for your favorite podcast. And, uh, you know, if you could pick just one, I don't know what that would be, yeah, to be question. honest. It's, the, it's a tough question. Um, I have, you know, it's funny because here's how these, these things work. Sometimes, even in my own niche, I don't know. I'm amazed that I don't know something exists. So I don't recall how I found Show Me Your Mic, uh, this show. But it was awesome when I found it. Um, I've listened to I think I've listened to you a lot on the plane for some reason. I'm like, oh, I'm going to cue that up for the plane. <laughs> Um, so I've got show me your mic. Yeah. Good stuff network, (laughs) which I love all your, you guys, your, your, all your stuff is beautiful. Like your website and your graphics and audio production. It's all very good. So head, you know, thumbs up to that, but really recent. I mean, I didn't know you were doing that, uh, for until recently. So that's been a cool discovery. So I, I do listen to a lot of, uh, podcasts about podcasting, believe it or not. Uh, it's part of just sort of staying up and, and seeing what other people are doing in my niche. Uh, I tried Serial. I actually listened to the first one. I tweeted out the other day. I'm, I listened to the first one and then none of them. And I'm like, I'm going to listen to the last one just to see how it turned out. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, the end. And I actually didn't even make it through the, the, the whole last one. So I just wanted to see, was there an answer? But yeah. um, I never actually <laughs> didn't actually get my answer. So yeah, those are just a couple of shows I listen to. But I have maybe just like eight or 10 shows. Um, and ever since I discovered podcasting, I have gone to bed with one earbud in my ear. Uh, used to be with a notepad as well, but uh, 
pretty geeky, not exactly the most romantic way to, uh, (laughs) to, to go to sleep at night, but you know, I am married now, so you know, I get in bed well after, you know, my wife gets in bed. And so these are the things that that's what marriage (laughs) looks like. People one earbud. (laughs) (laughs) I can't claim to have done that yet. I, I, uh, (laughs) but, uh, I could see a day coming where trying to keep up with all the the shows. Yeah. That's, (laughs) yeah. Well, that's my podcast time. Like I, well, here's the thing. I work from home. I don't commute. Um, So that it's like me, when yeah. do you have some podcasts? Because I used to commute and that would, I would listen. And then working in someone else's office, often I would, like mm. for someone else, I would put a podcast on and work. And then working for myself now, it's the same thing. I don't have the commute anymore. And I often just kind of like, there's so many things. Maybe I was I was lazier when I was working for someone else. I don't know. But right. uh, yeah, it just kind of like there's so many interruptions. And producing more podcasts myself, it's just harder. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I can't listen to a podcast while we're having a podcast going recording a podcast exactly yeah i do a lot of editing for work and it's like yeah i'm listening to stuff so i can't actually listen to a podcast so yeah exactly so cool well um one thing i was going to mention for folks you have i noticed on the sign up page or the um podcasters roundtable page there is a sign up form if you're wanting to be on mm-hmm. it that's i know obviously there's a lot of podcasters who listen to this show who uh i've hopefully made well aware you can come on this show as well there's a sign up uh, scheduler thing at the top of the show me your mic page, but also for podcasters roundtable. Um, that's something, is that correct? I'm assuming that's there. Yep. Uh, podcast roundtable. There's even a tab. There's several ways to get to that page, but there's, it's up top says like be a guest yeah. or you can go to podcasters slash guest. And, uh, it serves two purposes. It's, it's helps me build the email list, but most importantly, it tells you sort of what I'm looking for from a future guest and it gives you the opportunity to tell me what you want to talk about because we just have discussions on, you know, I just pick a topic and I choose people not based on when they signed up for the list, but what they have told me they want to talk about. So I go into the list, you know, which is just a spreadsheet from Google Docs and I look for people who said, hey, I want to talk about monetization or I want to talk about uh, growing your show or whatever it is. And then I send you an email and say, hey, saw you signed up saw you're interested in this this subject you have some something to offer some type of expertise and uh come on the round table and let's let's talk about it so that's pretty much how it works yeah and uh so where else can folks find follow you uh tweet at you all that kind of stuff what's your yeah i love twitter just because not because it's you know people think that oh if you promote on twitter you're gonna grow your show right now it's just how <laughs> i love to talk to people so it, it's it's fast it's easy so uh twitter at podcast helper uh, the podcasterstudio.com is, is my other podcast, uh, about podcasting, which is just, it's more solo. I do, I do interviews, but, um, it's some really, it can be really deep dive. We, I did two hours on compression alone. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kudos to anyone who's made it through that, yeah. but <laughs> which uh, again, it's always a great resource. Cause that's something where, whether you list every episode or you cherry pick as I often do with, with yep. shows about podcasting, where it's just, I can't, some episodes I can't listen to that yep. long or don't have time, but I know that there's things I need to learn about compression. So I'll bookmark that one and have tougher or whatever and things like that. It's uh yeah, great. Yeah, totally. And then rayortega.com is just basically a portal to send you to all the stuff I do, right? YouTube, Roundtable, you name it. So if you just go to rayortega.com, you can jump off from there to any of the stuff that I have online. Nice. Cool. And then, uh, what was I going to say? The, uh, oh, your Patreon thing, mm-hmm. which you're, you're promoting a little bit, right? Patreon.com slash Ray. Um, if you want to join, uh, a very exclusive club 
<laughs> it's very exclusive, <laughs> including including Chris himself. Yeah, thank you. Joining uh, that club? No, no. Sorry, that sounds really bad. Like I was saying, it's minimum. There's not that many people. That's not what I meant. But in terms of well, there isn't that many people well, right now. <laughs> Patreon, Patreon for me. When I discovered it, when I figured out that there was a saying Patreon and what it was, um, I signed up so that I could find out what it is and tell other podcasters about it because my page doesn't do much. I don't promote it much, but I have it there as a way for me to. Uh, to tell other podcasters, this might work for your community. Because I think it's really cool. Um, I think it's yeah. a really awesome thing that a podcaster can do because we talked a little bit about making money. And it, it is really sort of a, um, it's it's a collective of things you're going to do that might make you some money, right? Affiliate links, uh, maybe some type of ad network or something, uh, maybe something like a Patreon. So if you add up these things, you might be able to like cover your hosting costs or something, but it's not typically usually one thing that's going to make you, uh, enough money to do anything with podcasting. It's a, it's a totality of different things. And Patreon is one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like it because it's, it's passive. Like you're not hiding necessarily something behind a paywall. You're giving some bonuses maybe depending on how you set it up for your listeners. But you know, people who love your stuff want to see you keep keep doing it, so that's a way for them to easily contribute. So I do that there, um, and I created this sort of private Google Plus page. Um, it's just, it's so funny because I started it to help out relieve the um, the YouTube comments. I like to answer all my comments, but at some point, as the channel grows, it becomes almost impossible to do that. So the the Patreon was set up so like, hey, if you're a patron and you have a question, you can get directly to me. And I'll get that answered right away as opposed to like two weeks down the road when I finally get your comment. So Mm -hmm. it's a it's a sandbox. It's a playground. I appreciate the support, but it helps me um, figure out what Patreon is and explain that to other podcasters. So they might do something on it. That's really good. I'm sure you're doing pretty good. Um, A couple other podcasters I know they're doing great. I mean, they're getting like, you know, three hundred dollars a month or something. So it's really Mm -hmm. cool. Well, that's what I I love like you could do a PayPal thing. You can do there's many ways to do it. And then what's great, we're going way long, but we'll just keep going. <laughs> what's great with Patreon, I find, is um, there's the, the community of folks who support each other is one mm-hmm. aspect. You also there's discoverability that you wouldn't otherwise get um, by seeing what someone else supports or who someone else supports, um, and and just the transparency, like you said, that I. I personally value that transparency of like, this is exactly how many people are giving me right now, $107 a month to support me doing this podcasting thing. And so everybody knows that, or hopefully most people recognize that $107 is not going to support my family. I'm not quitting my job and doing this full time or any like, and if five people leave, well then it'll drop to depending on who those are because they support at different levels, but it'll drop in half, let's say. And so it's by no means this get rich quick scheme or any sort of thing, Mm -hmm. but, but that idea of, I think in 2014, 2015, that ability to support the creative person directly with in exchange for the goods they're giving you online with money is a neat thing. And, um, yeah. And the goals and all the other stuff that's the rewards and stuff is kind of fun. I like some of that stuff and just kind of coming up with unique ways to do that. But that to me is sort of secondary of just like, I'm going to support this person because I value what they do and I want to see them do it. So, and and most podcasters are not going to have a show uh, that warrants like a sponsor. I mean, you have a sponsor, which is which is awesome, but that that's hard to do. It's mm-hmm. hard to get. Uh, it's hard to maintain. Uh, and a lot of shows, they're just not going to reach the level of numbers, or maybe they don't have a network or something, right? So Patreon is a great way. Uh, in fact, it can be far better than a sponsor. People people sort of hold out the holy grail of 
I got to get a sponsor for my podcast. Patreon is probably a lot better. Guess what? There's no ads in your show. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with ads since we did one earlier. But, I'll just say that. But, that out. No. Yeah, exactly. Just cut that out. But um, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's you don't. Um, it's just it's a direct support of the content, and I think again, it's just another cool additional way to uh, to help your show. All right. Well, we've gone uh, well over the hour mark and then some, which is fine. It's, I aim for hours, an hour or so for this show, but sometimes discussions warrant it. So we'll we'll cut it off here. I will mention you can support me on Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash iChris uh, is where you can check that page out. Uh, and we just passed the, uh, what are they called? Milestone. Milestone goal of, like I said, the webcam H or Logitech C920 webcam. Cool. I think I bought it through Ray's affiliate link, so we'll spread the money. Oh, well, Maybe I, didn't, I don't, See? don't hold me to that. Um, well, that support works. You know, one jump from one yeah. support to another. It's awesome. Exactly. Hey, definitely add on the webcam settings if you're on a Mac. Yeah, I know. That's one thing I need to, I, I was doing some testing with it and uh, need to pick that up because I can definitely see where that, yep. I think I wore a red shirt and it was just like blown out on my <laughs> red shirt. <laughs> Um, and I'm iChris on Twitter. Show me your mic has its own Twitter account. Twitter, uh, Twitter, S M Y M underscore F M. And of course, good stuff underscore F M is where you can follow along with all the other shows that we do at good stuff. And, uh, we just, as this is the year end show for show me your mic, I want to, uh, thank you for listening. I really appreciate your support in listening and sharing the show, leaving a review on iTunes. If you have, if you haven't, I hardly encourage you to do so. It'll change your life. Um, and, uh, and just for, playing along with this experiment that started way back in episode one with uh, Dave Rupert of talking with other podcasters. I didn't, wasn't sure where it would go if I would even make it past 10 episodes, but here we are at uh, episode 65 and uh, no sign of stopping. There's folks booked into April, into April, not quite that far into January and February anyways. And uh, which you can do as well. If you're a podcaster and want to come on this show, I would love to chat with you. I've said many times that you know, at least have five episodes or 10 maybe in the can that you've done and you're a little bit further down the road than just starting out. But uh, um, yeah, I would love to chat all things podcasting. Love hearing about uh, where folks are at and what they're using and different ways of, of uh, recording podcasts in, in this medium that we love. So um, with that said, I guess I'll sign off for now. Thanks for listening. Have a great hey. day. Oh, uh, go ahead. By the way, I did switch mics on you. Oh, you did? <laughs> quite some time ago i went back to the atr so just some fun oh nice there you show go show me your mic do you know <laughs> little teaser at the end that's our yes. i should have the serial music start up there just to okay <laughs> thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you in uh, 2015 bye